danger. It's danger. Everybody come to the breakfast club. I call this the hot seat. <laughs> You're wild. You're wild. Can I live? You are out of control. I can't even deal with you. Y'all are so petty. Why are y'all so petty? The world's most dangerous morning show. DJ Envy. Captain of this bitch. Angela Yee. I stay in everybody's business, but in a good way. Charlemagne the God. The ruler of rubbing you the wrong way. The Breakfast Club. Great for everybody. Good morning, Angela Yee. Good morning, DJ MV. Charlemagne the God. Peace to the planet. It's Friday. The dramas. Why bass sound so low? Why he so low? Hold on. Let me turn myself up. What about now? A little better. A little better now? Come a little higher. Oh, yo. What about now? Shut up, man. Yes. Hold on. Good. Right there? Right there? Yes, you're good, right bro. You're okay. good, bro. Come okay. on, stop okay. it, man. Mountain Atlanta. Stop it's it, It's Friday. I'm out in Atlanta. I'm out in Atlanta. My hand's already full. This is it's Friday, baby. What's happening? How are y'all feeling? What is up? Yeah, shout out to everybody out in Atlanta. Um, You know, I love Atlanta. I'm doing a lot in Atlanta in the last uh, year or so. I picked up a lot of real estate. I'm actually doing my next real estate seminar in Atlanta next Sunday. Um, and I just love Atlanta. Atlanta is black excellence, and I love Atlanta. I was out last night uh, eating at Copper Cove dinner, and I just got to chop it up with so many different brothers, brothers in the NBA. Copper Cove. Copper Cove is a great uh, name for a restaurant in Atlanta right now. It's Copper Cove. Copper Cove. You go. That's, that's Rugs's restaurant. Yeah, right? Oh, I thought Rugs. you said Copper Cove. Like you go, you go there to cop some Cove, get some nice food, and no. some Cove. Okay. No Copper Cove. So. I was out there last night just chopping it up with brothers about different things that they're doing and different investments that they're doing. Uh, I was talking to one brother yesterday. He's uh, plays in the NBA and he owns uh, a cannabis license out in uh, in the South. And he was telling me how he got it and what he does and, and the whole procedure of doing it because I'm trying to get one in Jersey. Um, and he was just telling like it's, it's just great because there's so much black excellence in Atlanta. So you get to chop it up with so many different people doing so many different things that you don't really get to see whether, whether you're chopping it up with brothers that work at different stores and different businesses. So I, I really, really enjoyed that. So shout out to everybody in Atlanta. I'm here. I'm here. Yeah, what yeah. part of Atlanta are you uh, investing in? A little bit of everything. Um, well, not just Atlanta, but Georgia as well. So um, mm-hmm. houses in Fayetteville, then we buying houses. I don't, I'm not particular. I don't know the areas of, of Atlanta, but uh, different houses that pop up on uh, auction.com. We're looking at a couple of buildings, a couple of multi-units down here. And uh, I'm doing my car show. So we setting all that up while, while we're here. So I, I just love okay. Atlanta, man. Yeah, it's a very cultural weekend, too, by the way. I mean, you got NBA All-Star Weekend this weekend, mm-hmm. but you got a couple of movies in your hall because he's a talk show god and Arsenio Hall show inspired me so much and you know I've gotten a chance to talk to Arsenio quite a few times you know off the air but this is our first public conversation on the air so you know coming to America is out on Amazon Prime video right now so definitely yeah we're gonna build on and one that. of the conversations we were having in Copper Cove, which is so funny, we were talking about Hove. And, you know, it's good to talk about a brother that's doing so much and in investing and this, that, and the other, and how much he is and what he turned it to, where he came from. But we all in there like, yo, what you think Hove's going to buy next? Football team? we like, I don't know if there's a football team for sale right now. Like, we really know. Like, we in that, like we, like we in that price. Back. We're like, yo, you know what he's selling the Cowboys right now? Like, we don't know, but we know. You, you, would, you would never know what he's doing. He, nope. he is literally the epitome of stay low and keep fire. And I love it. As the late, great Christopher Wallace once said, stay low and keep firing. I love it. Well, let's get the show cracking. Front page news, what are we talking about? 
Yes, well, Joe Biden had some things to say about these mask mandates being removed. And now people are offended that he used the word Neanderthal. Okay. I know All another right. N-word he could have used that would have pissed people off. <laughs> what N-word is that, Charlemagne? Y'all better be happy with Neanderthal. <laughs> All right, we'll get to it next. It's the Breakfast Club. Well, we got that Drake. Oh, what, what Drake we playing right now? We got what's okay, next? Okay, Dramos. Dramos stopped everything for the Drake. We got that Drake. Just want to make sure you know. We got that Drake. Drake. Well, here it is. <laughs> it's new Drake. It came out today. It's called What's Next. He's spitting on this. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. That was Drake, new Drake with What's Next. New Drake. A three song, uh, I don't even know what you call it. I guess it's just a three pack three, this morning. Three pack, three pack. None of y'all say Drake better than Soldier Boy. I don't know why uh, we don't be having drops that say new music from Drake. But I'm not a producer. All right. Well, let's get in some front page news. Where are we starting, Yee? Well, let's start with these mask mandates. Now, five states, Texas, Mississippi, Iowa, Montana, and North Dakota have ended or will soon end statewide mask mandates. Now, there's 11 states that never actually required face covering statewide, and that's Alaska, Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Idaho, Missouri, Nebraska, Oklahoma, South Carolina, South Dakota, and Tennessee. So, of course, uh, Joe Biden had some things to say about that, and we discussed this yesterday. I think it's a big mistake. I hope everybody's realized by now. These masks make a difference. We are on the cusp of being able to fundamentally change the nature of this disease because of the way in which we're able to get vaccines in people's arms. The last thing we need is the Neanderthal thinking that in the meantime, everything's fine. Take off your mask. Forget it. It still matters. I, I'm, I might be a little dumb. What, what, what's wrong with that word? All right. Well, Senator Marco Rubio went on Twitter and he said President Biden's use of an old stereotype is hurtful to modern Europeans, Asians and Americans who inherit about two percent of their genes from Neanderthal ancestors. Oh, he should up. apologize for his insensitive comments and seek training on unconscious bias. And then he linked to a CNN article that reported on Princeton University uh, research finding some Neanderthal DNA among Africans as well. Oh, my God. Middle finger to all of that <laughs> rhetoric. Listen, people aren't Neanderthals. But it's just socially irresponsible. It's ass backwards. That's what Joe Biden should have said. It's ass backwards. Either we want to slow down coronavirus cases or we don't. If masks are proven to work and, you know, you see coronavirus cases going down all across the country, wear your mask. Simple as that. Why would you tell people not to wear a mask? Mm -mm -mm. And I don't want Mark Rubio, Marco Rubio better not say anything because he's a part of a party where they use a whole other N-word to describe people with African DNA. All right? What word is that? Nigger. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, in the meantime, the House uh, displayed the final tally for a vote on the George Floyd police reform bill. There was only one Republican that voted in favor of it. The George Floyd Justice and Policing Act would ban chokeholds and it would change other police policies as well. The only person that was a Republican who voted for it was Lance Gooden. He's a conservative and he has expressed enthusiastic support for Donald Trump. But he did vote for it by accident. After the vote, he admitted <laughs> that it was a mistake. He said, I accidentally pressed the wrong voting button and realized it too late that's god that's god that's god controlling your steps for you sir whenever you get on your knees and you pray for god to guide your steps that's what that was just now goodness well the bill did still pass 220 to 112 so his vote didn't really matter but he did make sure that he went officially on record to reveal what his true thoughts were well now i gotta pass uh gotta pass through the senate now right Mm-hmm. yeah that's just the house
All right. Well, that is your front page news. All right. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up right now. Phone lines are wide open again. 800-585-1051. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're man or black. Say it with your chest. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. So if you got something on your mind, let it out. Hello, who's this? My name is Kim. Hey, Kim. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing today? I'm doing well. Where you calling from? I'm calling from Savannah, Georgia. Okay, Georgia. Get it off your chest. I don't like how the news, the radio stations, and everybody... Is just saying that the teacher need the teachers need this. The teachers on front line. Teachers is involved with the kids. No, we are the bus drivers, the monitors, and the food nutritionists that deals with the kids first. We've been True. on front line from day one when the corona happened, True. and we mm-hmm. never get taught good and said props to the bus drivers, props to the monitors, the food nutritionists for doing what they're doing. You right. The teachers just started coming back to school. Been on with the kids. They've been on virtual learning with the kids for forever. Well, if, if they were virtual learning, that means the the bus drivers weren't in school yeah, either, that's, right? That's why. That's why we didn't think yeah, about no, you. We lunch was, people either. We was taking lunches out to the kids at the school at the oh. bus stops. Oh, oh no, you're yeah, absolutely right. Doing virtual learning. Well, shout to all the oh, bus really? drivers out there. Shout to all the uh, the janitors, the maintenance people, the food people, the people yes. that cook, the chefs, and all. Yeah, we appreciate you too. And you're right, you're essential workers too. You should be on if you want the vaccine. Y'all should be number one. You know, up there with the teachers on that list. I agree. Yeah, only reason we yeah didn't we think about should y'all. be the ones up there too because it's always you hear the teachers this, the teachers that. No, teachers just started coming back to school. It been from day one. The bus drivers, the monitors, has been going out to these. Bus stops giving feed to these kids face to face with these kids and the parents. Not why would the, the kids teachers. be? At, why would the kids be at the bus stop? No, dropping off school lunches. You know, because they got to drop off school lunches. To feed them. So gotcha. they probably just drop it off at the bus stop, and the kids could pick them up at the bus stop. So that way, the kids can still eat. Kind of like you know, with the free lunch and everything. Yeah, I never, I never heard that. It's the first I'm hearing. Yeah, about me too. This. Yes, we've been doing that from day one since it actually started. Okay. Well, thank you. We appreciate it. We appreciate every everybody who's been working so hard throughout this pandemic, but everybody who's been dealing with the lunches, with nutrition, with driving this buses. Yes. Hello, who's this? Uh, this is James uh, calling from North Carolina. I was uh, oh, I had a, a question for drama uh, being at a Freaky Friday and whatnot. Uh, Whoa, okay. I freaky, freaky, freaky Friday. Go. Ask drama to question, James. I've been wanting to know for a long time, man. Did, did, did you really link up with Lizzo when she just first with you? Lizzo is a, is a is a beautiful woman. She's just you know we're not each other's type. Yo, shut up. What, what's he your type? What? Yeah, what? He asked she her, just said she tell you. How do you know what her type is? You. Lizzo <laughs> called you an f boy. Lizzo did not want you in no way, shape, or form. Don't I think she it. was flirting. I'm oh, not gonna let's be real. She was and flirting. How, so how do you so how do you know you're not her type? She told him. She called him an F boy. What are you talking about? You, were you not paying Maybe that's her type. Oh, please. She said no. she hates F boy. She called him an F boy. But let's be honest. That's because he was rude. That's let's be honest. No, we all know. Dramos was into Jason Lee from Hollywood Unlocked. You see, I don't like this narrative. You guys are pushing. There you go. That was the that was the connection. Now, that was the connection. Yes. Jason Lee's been looking like a snack lately, wouldn't you say? No, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> wow. You can't tell a man he's looking good. Jason is looking good. Jason done lost a lot of weight. Well, down, we all brothers. Down. You can't What's say that man look good, bro. There's a between saying looking good and looking like a snack, guys. All right, but we got to wrap up here. Oh, now, now you want to wrap. wrap up? Yeah, I wrap up my snacks too, especially wow. when I wanted to eat them later. 
That's crazy. <laughs> Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Wake up, wake up, wake your ass. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're mad or blessed, we want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. All right, I want to get some things off my chest, right? First, I want to say that I don't F with Charlemagne Leonard McKelvey. Yesterday, he did something that made it seem like there was a security breach and had me nervous and upset. Let me me tell you what I was told, okay? I'm sitting in the studio minding my business whenever it's suspicious or strange activity downstairs. Security calls up. We get a call. The call says there's a guy down here looking for DJ Envy. He's like, well, Envy's not here today. The guy said, I refuse to leave until I get a kiss from DJ Envy. Right. So he tells me this story and says that the guy has to be What story is the truth? Because this guy wanted to give me a kiss, right? Now. I'm I'm like wow somebody's at the station and they won't leave because they're trying to get in touch with me or or as no, Charlamagne no, no, would say no, no, kiss not me. Not They're trying I, to kiss you. Now mind you, we have security up here, so I call the security. The security goes, Envy, what are you talking about? And I'm like, Charlemagne said this and Wax said this, and we have two, three security guards up here. I call each one of them, and then he calls me back. Envy, they're playing with you. Nobody came up there looking for you. So I, I just think, think that I just want to tell you that's foul. I just want to tell you that that's I not think, funny. I think they just didn't want to concern you, sir. That's all it was. You know no. what I mean? They handled the situation. The threat of the kiss was taken down. Okay, <laughs> shut up, man. <laughs> <laughs> the threat of the kiss is gone. I hate you. All right, uh, you took one for the team. Goodbye. Oh, Hello, who's this? Hey, this is Tyrone. How you doing this morning? Oh boy, what's up, Tyrone? Tyrone? Get it off your chest. Hey, I want to get off my chest. Uh, yesterday, I came home after working all day, and I caught my wife with my best friend. Woo! Uh, she ended up she ended up leaving and leaving me with my boys, which is fine. Uh, my boys are four, three, and seven months, and that's not the bad part. The bad part was I got a phone call from my mom. Uh, my father in Tallahassee got caught in a house fire and he didn't make it out. Damn. Yeah. So now I'm um, going to have to call in to work and try to get myself together, my boys. And we got to make a road trip from Chicago, well, uh, Rockford, Illinois, all the way down to Tallahassee. Damn. Yeah. I'm so sorry, bro. Yeah, yeah man. man but sending, I love you love, you sending you love and uh, light, brother, and healing energy. Thank you so much, man. I um, love you guys. I listen to you guys every morning before I head into work and everything. And um, you guys keep spreading the positivity, man. And um, Charlemagne, man, got so much love and respect for you, bro. I, usually I would be so much hype, but right now I'm just, I don't have anything to be hyped for. You know? understand, man. I got, I, I got love for you too, King. And I wish I could do something to make you feel better, but I, it's one of those moments where you just got to feel your feels like you're going through it right now. And it's okay. Only thing, only thing I can tell you is that trouble really don't last always. I know that sounds cliche, man, but you know, it may not be tomorrow. It may not be a year from now. It may not be two years from now, but you can definitely, you know, heal from this, not get over heal. Yeah. Not completely heal either, but heal somewhat. You can oh, be bro. better than, better than you are today. Are you an avid reader, bro? Uh, uh, no, sir. Do you have Charlemagne's books, bro? The man just say he don't uh, read. I, I don't have no. Nah, I do read. I just I'm a uh, actual meat manager. I cut meat. I've um, been cutting meat for thirty you say? years. Hold on, so. excuse me. Excuse, uh, hold on, hold on. Time out. What'd you say? You just excited uh, Ramos and envy. You said you're a what? He's a meat manager. He manages meat. You're a meat manager. Yeah, I, I mm. cut meat for a living at a, a grocery okay. store. 
I've okay. been doing that since um, I've been 18 years old, just, you know, you managed to meet. life goal and everything. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a promising job, you know. All right. Well, send send us your address and drop also drop off Charlemagne's book to you. So mm-hmm. that way you have his book. Uh, it, it's it's so much to, to discuss. It's one that tells about a story. One one dives into mental health. And uh, if you just hold on, leave and your it, address and meet manager and, and, and drama yeah. drop one off. And, and the drama starts talking to you about, you know, getting you to manage his meet. Just, just run. What's wrong with you guys? You and this meat thing, man. I, I love you, man. Thank See, you we got a laugh out of you this morning. All right, just trying to get you to laugh, man. I know you're going through it, King. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. Much Appreciate love you, brother. Love. All right, hold on, all right? Dramos, you get his address, boy, all right? Boy, you do the right boy, thing. Boy. Man, shut hey, up. You know when somebody tell you something so horrible and it's like you, you can't lie to them. Nope. What, what what can we say to make that brother feel better? Nothing. Right. That's your best friend gone and your woman gone. Lord have mercy. I don't that's think just, making fun of his job was the right angle on that one either. We, we, weren't, make, that we, weren't, we weren't making fun of his job, Ramos. We were just, you know, being immature. We were just being immature. That's just got me. Come on, meat manager. Come <laughs> on. <laughs> we couldn't I can't go. avoid that one. No, come on, meat manager. That comes once in the blood. We couldn't let you go. You manage meat king? Just saying, bro. Goodness gracious, I hate this show. All right, get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up now. Yee, we got rumors on the way? Yes, and Dwayne Wade's daughter, Zaya Wade, had the opportunity to talk to Michelle Obama about her book, Becoming. And here's a little snippet coming up next of what their conversation sounded like. It was really beautiful. All right, we'll get into that next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. It's about time. What's going on? Rumor report. Rumor report. This is the rumor report. Talk to him. With Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. All right. Well, Takashi 69 made a homophobic comment on Instagram regarding Little Nas X. So Little Nas X went ahead and aired out some DMs on TikTok. And according to um, Little Nas X, I guess, Takashi was trying to slide in his DMs. So dancing along to one of his own songs, Little Nas X addressed the comment by asking this you and then shared a screenshot of his DMs of 6 9 with two separate messages. Yo, in October of last year, and then going to be in your city soon. What you doing, LOL? And that was from last month. Well, Takashi then responded saying this. Before this shit even start, we're going to nip this shit in the... This my gram right here. 6 9 this my account. Look. Stop playing with me, son. So he's trying to prove that he didn't actually reach out to him. I mean, what would I be don't know. I believe. Yeah, what would be the problem if you reached out to him? Nothing. I will say this: I... the Lil Nas X don't give a f. I like that guy. Since I know he's great. But also, <laughs> if if you're Takashi, you can't be homophobic when your rap name is Six Nine. Six Nine. All right, now let's move on to some positivity. Zaya Wade has met Michelle Obama virtually. They did a Q&A session yesterday, and Zaya Wade then shared that on Instagram. And so before they started discussing becoming, they did talk about advice for teen readers. They did talk about how Zaya was nervous to meet Michelle Obama, and she said that's her idol. What advice do you have for teens who want to be themselves and thrive? Well, like you have and currently are. I am just so proud of you being just an amazing role model and embracing your truth. You're already doing this. So maybe this is for some other young people that are listening. It does take time to know what your self is, you know, for young people. So my first piece of advice is be patient with yourself. 
Now, Michelle Obama also asked Zaya what advice she had for young people trying to find themselves. And Zaya Wade said, we all think that we thrive with people who are just like us. But I think getting a different perspective from someone else who isn't like you really helps. That definitely helped me in becoming me and defining my truth. I think she's great. I, I love what Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade, are, how, how they're raising her. I, I, just, I just love it, man. I, I really, really love it. All right, Eddie Murphy has explained how Arnold Schwarzenegger is the person who inspired him to do Coming to America. He was talking to Yahoo Entertainment, and here's what he said. You know what happened? I was watching, I think it was a, uh, one of those movies with Schwarzenegger, is it, where they used that Terminator movies, and they used that special effect where they made him really young. And I was like, hey, if you did that scene, we could do a scene where we're young and can, can that, that scene where we're in the club, we could connect it. Then this happened and he had it. And then that, that was the piece that made it all kind of fall into place. Okay. I mean, I don't know, man. I think it might have been Ryan Coogler and Aaron Magruder that inspired Coming to America, too. Because, well, you know. Yeah, know. but they didn't direct it all. They didn't direct it, though. Yeah, but I read a treatment. I read a treatment that they wrote back in the day. And I know Eddie said he didn't like uh, he didn't like Ryan's idea for coming to America. But the treatment I saw that they presented has a lot of similarities to the movie that's currently screaming on Amazon Prime Video. Now, Yee, have you seen the movie yet? No, it's out today. I know a lot of people have seen it already. I've been they've been hitting me in, in my DMs and leaving comments. I've been getting a lot of packages though from them. <laughs> yeah, me oh, too. The, oh, the packaging is great. Dope. Yeah, we've been yeah. getting a lot of promo materials for coming mm-hmm. to America. They sent us some soul glow. I'm trying to figure out if that's real activator or not. It is. It's real activator. I read the box. I read the box. Um, that's from Browner Brothers. It. Mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, of course. I got, got some no sexual hair, so. chocolates. Yeah. yeah well, we talking to Arsenio the- Hall next hour. Mm-hmm. Next hour, I'm talking to Arsenio Hall. All right. Well, and they've been doing a lot of press lately because Eddie Murphy also did Kevin Hart's Sirius XM podcast, Comedy Gold Mines with Kevin Hart. And he talked about how he had actually planned to start doing stand up again. And then the pandemic. My plan was to do uh, Dolomite, Saturday Night Live, Coming to America and then do stand up. And mm-hmm. then the pandemic hit and shut the whole shit down. And I was going to I would the whole time last year, I would have been out working on my act, trying to get my right hey when the pandemic is over and it's safe for everybody to go out and do it then the plan is to, to do it what Ed, what should eddie murphy do stand up yeah why not if you, he know wants what, to, yeah. You, you know what oh my god you know what i'd like what you see eddie do i would like to see eddie do what um mike tyson did when mike tyson did his um his one-man show and he came out there and he just told stories about his time in hollywood i think i think eddie should do that because the bar for eddie murphy stand up is so high and it's almost like you 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 can't you can't you can't get to that level again. You just if you remember, he was a couple of years ago. He was negotiating a deal with Netflix, and that was for an undisclosed number of stand-ups. Remember, they were saying he was going to get about seventy million. Yeah, you know about Eddie. I'd come out in the throne, and I'd be like, "I'm gonna sit down because I don't want y'all out here trying to, you know, say say saying Eddie Murphy's uh, doing stand-up again." I would come out in the throne, and I would just do the one-man show like Mike Tyson did. It's funny that you said that because watching Coming to America two. My bar is so high from the original one because like you I didn't said, like that is my two. favorite movie mm-hmm. that I don't think I, it, it's it can't compare. And I try to compare and it, it, it just can't. It just, It'd be the same thing with nah. Eddie. You got you got raw. You got delirious. Like people would compare it to that. I would I, if I was Eddie, I would just come out and do a one man show because whenever you hear him just tell stories about his time in Hollywood and things that he's experienced, they're hilarious. I would just do that same way Mike Tyson did. All right. Now, Nas recently did an interview with Financial Times, and he was saying that he doesn't feel like he's in competition with any of the younger rappers. He said, I appreciate what's out there, but there's no one keeping me up at night. I hear a new rap record. I think it's great, but I don't listen to it the next week. 
And he did say that Pop Smoke did catch his eye. He said, we were happy to see that young king come up. He was a breath of fresh air. The drill movement in London, Chicago, and New York is really exciting. He also says that he has some plans to turn his track from Illmatic, New York State of Mind, into a film. That's dope. That's, that's interesting on me because Nas is a god MC, right? Like, like I mean, Nas is in, you know, my top seven favorite rappers of all time. So I always wonder how people like that do see the game because they're artists, you know what I mean? So their their palette is different than ours. All right. Well, that is your rumor report. All right. Thank you, Miss Yee. But you notice all of the greats, they love, they love the new artists. You know, it's sometimes it'd be the B-level and C-level artists. they be like, I hate hip-hop right now. But all the god MCs, whether it's Hove or Nas or... Whatever else you put in that category, they love the new MCs and, and, and love to work with them, you know? Yeah, that's why I mean, that's why it's in, interesting to hear Nas say nobody keeps him up at night. Like I don't know. He said he appreciates it and he can enjoy it, but he's just not up at yeah. night. Yeah, I get it. All right. Well, we got front page news next. What are we talking about? Well, let's talk about All-Star Weekend. It's going down this weekend. Envy, you're in Atlanta already, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, so let's discuss what's happening. All right, we'll do that when we come back. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Hey, that's new Drake, little Baby. Man, Lil Baby just waking up. I like that. I like that. Yeah, I like Lil that. Lil Baby killed it. Now, Lil if you just waking up, Drake dropped a, uh, a three-pack last night of uh, songs. Mm-hmm. One is uh, What's Next, That Joint, and uh, I think it's the, I was going to say Lemon Pepper Wings Freestyle, right? Yeah, Lemon, oh. Lemon Pepper Wings Freestyle with Ross. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's get into some front-page news. Where we starting, you? Well, let's start with All-Star Weekend. You out there, Envy, now because of COVID, of course, you know this is in Atlanta, but everything is going to be in a single night. The Skills Challenge three-point contest will be pregame. The dunk contest will act as the halftime show. Uh, Team LeBron, first-round starters, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Steven, uh, Steph Curry, uh, Luka Doncic, and I can't say this right, Nikola, Nikola Jokic. Jokic. Oh, so they are, do- they are doing the mm-hmm. slam dunk contest and all that. Yes, it's all in one night, though, yeah, one instead night. of two nights. That's uh, Kevin, uh, Team Kevin Durant, Kylie Irving, Joel Embiid, Kawhi Leonard, Bradley Bill, and Jason Tatum are the starters. That's silly. I mean, you're already down there in Atlanta. You're not going to have fans in the stands. You might as well just do just the do slam dunk days, contest yeah. on Saturdays like you normally do and then do the game on Sunday. You're already there. It's going to be a long day for all those players and people. Now, who you got, Team Durant or Team LeBron? I don't care. I got Team COVID. Okay, Team Kobe gonna win the weekend. Nobody right? gonna be there. I'm asking who you got. You got you got Kevin Durant's team, or you got LeBron? I who got? I, I, when I say the I don't Greek care, freak, I you got Steph Curry. I don't care. I don't care. I'm gonna go with Team Durant. Yeah, I'm going with Team LeBron. Mm-hmm. Okay. None of them want to be there. First of all, none of them want to <laughs> be there. They they barely take the All Star Game serious as it is, and none of them really want to be there this weekend. I don't think they're gonna be playing hard at all. It's you know. They still, they still competitive. They still going to win. All right, now let's talk about Charlotte Bennett. She's the second woman to go public with sexual harassment allegations against Governor Andrew Cuomo in New York, and she did say she thought the governor was trying to sleep with her, and she was uncomfortable. She told CBS Evening News anchor Nora O'Donnell what happened, and here is what she said about their conversations. He explains at that point that he is looking for a girlfriend. He's lonely. He's tired. He asked if I had trouble enjoying being with someone because of my trauma. The governor asked me if I was sensitive to intimacy. In his office? Yes. During the workday. He, right, he, he admitted to that already, right? Or am I tripping? He was, well, what he said was that she took the conversation the wrong way, that he wasn't trying to do anything, but he understands that it was uncomfortable for her 
now or something mm. like that. All right. Now, in addition to that, she talked about another part of the conversation where he was discussing ages and how he would date women if she was over 22. You have been quoted as saying that he also asked you about if you'd ever been with an older man. Yeah. He asked me if age difference mattered. He also explained that he was fine with anyone over 22. And how old are you? 25. What were you thinking as he's asking you these questions? I thought he's trying to sleep with me and I'm deeply uncomfortable and I have to get out of this room as soon as possible. Damn. Listen, All right. I don't, and I I was going to tell you Cuomo's response. Uh, now, initially, he had said last week that he never made advances toward Miss Bennett, nor did I ever intend to act in any way that was inappropriate. But then on Wednesday, he did a more direct apology. He said, I now understand that I acted in a way that made people feel uncomfortable. It was unintentional, and I truly and deeply apologized for it. I felt awful about it. And frankly, I am embarrassed by it. And that's not easy to say, but that's the truth. Yeah, I mean, it's nuts that any man, but especially someone in his position, would still be, you know, talking like that and making those same kind of mistakes mm-hmm. after the Me Too Times Up movement. Like, you have to be super arrogant or feel like you are an un- 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 untouchable, you know, to still be making those same kind of mistakes. I don't care how much grease Governor Cuomo has in his head. He is not an untouchable mob boss. And Me Too Times Up should have caused a lot of self-correction, right? And if you don't, if or, you didn't self-correct yourself, you're headed for self-destruction. Or maybe he's been and doing I- it for so long, he just can't stop. That's the, that's true, but that's what I mean. You got. And I think he he also in his head feels like because he didn't touch her or touch anybody, that he didn't do anything wrong. But oh, conversation you, can also be manipulative and uncomfortable and wrong as well. Especially when you're a man with that kind of power mm. and that kind uh, of stature. All right. Well, that is your front page news. All right. Now, when we come back, uh, Charlemagne got a chance to kick it with Arsenio Hall. Man, Arsenio is one of my inspirations, man. You know, talk show host, GOAT. Uh, I've had the opportunity to have quite a few conversations with Arsenio, but this is our first public conversation. And, you know, right. Coming to America 2 is out right now, uh, screaming on Amazon Prime Video. So we talk about a whole bunch of stuff. We sat down for like an hour, but you're about to hear it. All right. We'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. <laughs> You're checking out the world's most dangerous morning show. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Now, Charlemagne got a chance to chop it up with Arsenio Hall. Yes. Uh, you know, it's funny because this interview has been under embargo for a while. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, they was keeping it top secret for whatever reason uh, because of the movie. Right. And the stuff that we talked about. But. Uh, yeah, I got this chance to sit down. One of my inspirations, man, uh, Mr. Arsenio Hall, talk show GOAT. This man has inspired me on so many different levels, and I've been blessed to have several conversations with him throughout my life. But this one is public for the people. So here All right. you go. You look good, my brother. Thank you, man, and God bless you. You look great. I love that you you did something about Paul Mooney this morning on Instagram, man. God, man. God bless you, because me and Eddie were talking about him yesterday. I was, like, shocked. It was like you were hearing us. I always think about y'all, man, because from the outside looking in, it always seemed like unity and group operation has been a thing for y'all generation of comedians. Well, well at least with the Black Pack. Yeah. You know, with yourself and Eddie, Robert Townsend, Keenan Ivory Wayans, and Paul Mooney was a part of that as well, right? Absolutely. There is an early picture where Paul Mooney is in that photo with me and Keenan and Eddie. I joked about this in Chappelle, in Chris Rock's dressing room, mm-hmm. and it was on... Instagram. It's interesting, you know, Prince, you know the famous situation at the Beverly Theater where James Brown is performing and Prince and Michael Jackson both showed up? Well, no, I saw that on the BET Awards. Is that what you're talking about? 
No, the one where Prince grabbed a light pole and fell in the audience? No. <laughs> okay, I have to send you this. But because uh, it's too long a story. But my point was that legends and goats haven't always gotten along. And I love that Chris and Chappelle, as good as they are, they don't compete. They drive each other higher. And that's the way Richard and Eddie were. And one time he has this little cart, right? And he said, um, I hear Eddie Murphy has a movie out. And I said, yeah. He said, can we go see it? And he was willing to leave the house. I put his little cart in the back of my Rover and I rented a theater at Paramount. Me and Richard sat and watched the Eddie movie. They what were the movie, movie was it? It was a, a sequel to Cop. Okay, okay. It was one of those. And he loved Eddie. And I love when the goats are talented and confident enough to hang out and drive each other higher. And that's like, I went on the road, did a couple dates with Chappelle and Chris Rock, and I loved their relationship. You know, there was never jealousy. Nobody was ever hating on the other and falling off light poles at the Beverly Theater and stuff like that. You know? so, so did Richard want to meet Steve because that's his illegitimate son? Because Steve and Richard got it. They look <laughs> they, they look alike. Why, why he wanted to see Steve? Well, you know, it, it probably was some kind of synchronicity in looking at a mustache and saying, I like him. <laughs> and, and by the way, he had met Steve one other time too. I think Steve told me they had met someplace. He, yeah, you know, it might've been some visual connection, but with Richard, it was probably because Steve was funny. And in those times when you're in your bed and that's all you do is sit with your friend and watch TV, laughter is healing. Laughter is the greatest thing ever. And it's why I'm happy this movie is coming on March 5th. I know it's not much in times like this when we have food lines and, and people dying, but I'm sure glad that on March 5th, I can take people away for an hour and a half and make them laugh. That's why I wanted to ask you about the, the Black Pack, because you and Eddie's relationship, the chemistry is always there. Why is that unity so important then? And how have y'all helped each other over the years? Well, it's interesting. You know, he's he's a rich guy. He don't need no help. Uh, but I think we've all had, we know what the other does. Stand-ups are very cliquish. Mm -hmm. There's this thing. We think we're the most, the, the most talented people on the planet. We think stand-up is the hardest thing in the world to do. And there's a tremendous respect. Don't get me wrong. There's some comics that stand in the back of the comedy store and they hate on you. But for the most part, we're very cliquish. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I, I think Eddie and I met, we understood each other. And it's kind of cool that we're still friends because friendships, you know, don't last. That's right. Uh, sometimes when there's money and competition and that kind of stuff in the mix. How, how did you and Eddie even become the friends that y'all are? Eddie and I met through Keenan Wayans. We were, uh, Keenan called me back in the days when you didn't have a cell phone. You call somebody at home, if they don't answer, but, uh, you know, I got a call. It was Keenan. He said, come to the improv about nine. And he said, Eddie's going to work out because he's in town to do the Tonight Show. So he needed to work out his set. And I got there and we were standing in front waiting for Eddie to arrive. And Keenan introduced me to Eddie. And Eddie said, I wanted to meet you in person because my mother thinks we look alike. Nigga, you don't look like me. <laughs> Y'all don't look nothing alike. Yeah. The second sentence Eddie said to me was, you don't look like me. And, <laughs> and, uh, and Damon Wayans was parking his car. This is, a, this is a great story. Damon starts walking down the street and he's walking a little effeminate, very effeminate. And like men on film? Yes. 
Okay, okay. And so I hadn't met him. And so we shook, he put his hand out, he shook my hand. And you know, if somebody is really acting like that, you don't laugh because that's who they are. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So I didn't know. I had never met Keenan's brother. And finally, he came out of the character. And I realized this guy is a funny mother and he can lock into a character. And that character, because Eddie's standing there, that character ended up a valet parking guy in Beverly Hills Cop. Wow. You know, I'm wondering, like, were you hesitant in any way to do a sequel to a classic like Coming to America? Oh, yes. Because there are gods that walk the earth. You're afraid of criticism. You know, from Charlemagne to somebody on Twitter, I've been buying a coffee and the barista said to me, I heard y'all gonna redo that movie. Don't f it up. That's my movie. My family watched that movie once a year together. And you realize there are people who are afraid for you to go to work. They don't want you to do it. <laughs> they don't want you to f with it. And you start thinking, I'm like, why well, if the barista is nervous, what's Charlemagne gonna say? What you know, I mean, there are a lot of people who see it as this cult film that they grew up with and they love. And there were people who really didn't want us to do the sequel. Mm -hmm. But I think we did it. And I think the people who are truly fans of it are gonna like what we did. Now, if people don't like the sequel to Coming to America, do you think it will affect the legacy of the first film? No, I think the second one will stand on its own as just a statement like, I loved the first one. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I don't think it'll hurt the legacy, but I also think they'll love it. Because, you know, it's like a great Michael Eric Dyson book. You like chapter one, and it's the same dude talking to chapter two, continuing his thoughts and his flowery language. This is a, these two things work together. Like, I love the fact that your kids and my kid will be able to watch this. And within this movie, if, even if they haven't seen the first one, it will be explained that there was more that happened that night when I said, I'm gonna tear you apart and your friend too. The, you know, that entire night evolved and morphed into something else. And through the magic of film technology, like there's this movie that I was watching and I'm looking and I'm like, that young dude right there looked like De Niro. Mm -hmm. And uh, I realized it was De Niro and they have this process by which they can make you look younger these days. Mm -hmm. So me and Eddie were talking about it and he said, yes. He said, they did that with Arnold. And he said, you know, with that idea, we can go back and we can have a reprieve of what happened that night and we can go from there into a sequel. And I think it was Arnold's young makeup in that process that gave him part of the idea for this. What took so long for the, for the film to come out? Because I've been hearing about this sequel for at least, it seemed like 15 years, honestly. Yeah, and, and here's, here's the crazy thing, Charlemagne. And it's why I love when you ask those kind of questions. None of that stuff was ever true. Really? There was never a talk. We had actually decided we're fans of the movie too. It was great. We did it well. We're going to leave it where it is. And trust me, I'm not papered up like Eddie. If he said, let's do Coming to America too," and it's about uh, us going to Wakanda with R. Kelly, I would sign up and I would do it. You know, it's like whatever my life is, it's like, Akeem, the plane smells like piss. You know, whatever the f <laughs> I would handle it. But we loved the first one and had decided to never do a sequel. And then he heard the idea. And that idea went through a lot of incarnations. Like for instance, when he first told me the idea, I said, I kind of like that. And he went to the original writers and wanted them to craft 
just the format and get the technical stuff right and then go to Kenya and modernize it and make it funny. So he had a process. And um, th- I said, we're going to have to cast a son for you. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, nah, I got that. I got that. And I said, who? He says, Tracy Morgan. And I said, no, no, Eddie, Tracy, Tracy Morgan is funny every day he wakes up, but you all look about the same age. He can't be your son. It's like, we can't have coming to America with Morgan Freeman as your son found in America. You know, that that doesn't work. But we knew that whatever he did, he wanted Tracy in it. So we made him the uncle and they did a casting call and Jermaine came in, Jermaine Fowler came in and crushed it Mm -hmm. on his audition from what Craig Brewer told me, the day he came in, it was over because they loved Jermaine. So the bottom line is it took four more years after that day that he let me read the draft. It took four more years to get it right. All right, now we got more with Arsenio Hall. When we come back, don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. MRI. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. You know, Coming to America comes out today. And Charlemagne got a chance to chop it up with Arsenio. Yeah, Coming to America is actually out. I got the chance to sit down and chop it up with one of my inspirations, Mr. Arsenio Hall. Listen, y'all are comedians. You know what I'm saying? Y'all don't bite y'all tongue, but things have changed drastically from the first film. Did being politically correct and how having to be politically correct in certain moments impact the comedy at all? Absolutely. Uh, just like when I do stand-up, sometimes you're nervous. I was doing stand-up one night before COVID, and this dude was sitting... He was sitting watching me like this, Charlemagne. <laughs> and he had his, he was just recording it all. And we got him to pull it down off the YouTube. But the problem is, when I'm in a little club working out, the jokes ain't finished yet. Um, I learn what's wrong and what's right, and you adjust things. I hate people to tape it then because you know you can you can get in some trouble. But political correctness, it makes you think about it a lot. When I don't like to think, I just like to do it. And like like coming to America, I remember when I saw the line where my barber addresses breast in Africa. Mm-hmm. I think his term was them long, sloppy kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to come back and do this sequel. And, it, and I was like, well, I'm just going to blame it on Kenya. That's it. That's it. You know, you, you talked about Eddie being, like, rich. And there was a time when Eddie was one of the biggest stars in the world. I mean, he's still, he's an icon now, but I'm just talking about like, just a red hot superstar. Was, that, was there ever a moment where you had to check him because he might've been getting big headed and fronting on you? Wow. I'll tell you something about Eddie. Eddie will say some shit to me and we'll be boys doing what guys do. But I've seen someone say something about me to Eddie. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hey, my, that's my you know, that's my brother. And so we yeah, we say a lot of crazy shit to each other and we argue just like friends do. But when our backs are against the wall, you know, we ride or die when it comes to that friendship. I've always looked up to you in the talk show space, man. You know that. You know, I've said that a million times, had the pleasure of telling you that. And hey, then- man, you know what I think of your work. I mean, when people ask me about this, shit, you know, like during the election, I'm like, it looks like. They don't need me on the planet because Charlemagne is taking everything I dreamed of doing and tried to do to the next plateau. And wow. um, um, with with you on the planet, I can stay home. 
<laughs> well, you know, I, I reference you all the time, man. You, you even, you're one of the reasons I even want to do a talk show. When I, when I hosted, well, I was a guest on Stephen Colbert's show one time, and he let me sit behind the desk, and I made the audience do the woof, 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 woof. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, hey, yo, dog. I just had so shoulder surgery from all the years of doing that. Shit. I just had my shit replaced. You I'm serious? Like old, I'm like old quarterback, Solomon. I'm like people, people do that to me now, and I go to the other arm. <laughs> <laughs> what What was your experience like as a black male talk show host in the '90s? It was hard because, well, first of all, hard. Hard is what my uncle did at Jones and Lachlan Steel, or what my other uncle did at Chevrolet. But there were times, you know, I remember one time a reviewer referring to me as a monkey. I mean, you can imagine back then, it was different. And we've become a, a little more politically correct, but uh, but it was oh, hard. It, you know, it, huh? Oh, the context. <laughs> he was talking about my movement on stage, you know, because I, I, I'm not, I don't stand, you know, I, I was a stand-up and I move a lot. It, it's, it's crazy, Charlemagne, it's the things like, I could tell you. But you know what was the hardest sometimes? I had a desire to leave the business different than I found it. Mm -hmm. I wanted to bring black people into it. I remember asking the president of Paramount for an intern program because there weren't enough black writers and there had never been any in late night who write jokes every night. So I started an intern program. My first intern was John Singleton wow. and he wanted to direct. And the coolest thing in the world was this guy on my set who sometimes I would say, well, why is John Singleton in the hallway where talent is? And, and he would always wander away from the interns and go say hello to a guest like Cuba Gooding Jr. And it's weird that so much of the prep for that movie in his mind and in his heart and meeting people and networking was done on the show. Wow. And at that time it was like, hey man, you're supposed to be zero rocks in the paper that they gave you. But now I look back and I'm glad he said, fuck off, sir. I don't want to do that. You know, I want to say that to you. Well, no, he didn't say no, he didn't. No, I mean, he, oh. he, he, he didn't say, he would, but, but I love that, that, that he uh, didn't do what I said all the time. Like there were times the interns weren't allowed on the stage. And there were times I would walk into the booth and John Singleton was watching the director. And now I look back and I'm so glad that he didn't do what I said do, you know? And so we had uh, young writers and interns and, and I was able to put a lot of hip hop on. I was able to try to do anything that Oprah and Johnny weren't doing. And yeah. Oprah wasn't crazy about hip hop back then. So I got to have this lane in this world all to myself. But one of the hard parts was in starting that, I remember going to Paramount and saying, I want to book this group and I knew that I was gonna have a hard time. I had to approve all the bookings early on. And I wanted to do NWA. And one of the people in the meeting knew who it was. I had a cassette tape that Ice Cube hand delivered to me. He brought it to the set. Cause Ice Cube hated me for many years. Why? Because I, I wasn't able to pull it off. It was early on. And mm -hmm. I, I wasn't able to get Paramount to, he wanted to do the police. And I was the president of, I was the uh, the national ambassador of D.A.R.E. and all kind of stuff, which meant I went to schools with cops. And so Paramount wouldn't let me do it. 
I remember finally when they started letting me do stuff. I, one, hey, I wanted to do Bobby Brown. Bobby Brown played me two songs. He played me My Prerogative and Don't Be Cruel. And I said, I want to break both of them up. He said, no, just one. I, said, I want both of them, Bob. It's not like the Tonight Show will let you break it. So I, I went to Paramount and I said, I want to do two songs in one night. I'm going to do it on a Friday night, and I'm going to do one in the early part of the show and one at the end of the show. I'm going to do prerogative last. And they didn't want me to do it. And it was interesting. They didn't even, like when I said Bobby Brown, they said, look, I'm sure she's very talented. But, and I said, whoa, 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 whoa. She. And they said, Bobby Brown is, she was a spokesmodel on Star Search, right? And I'm like, <laughs> no, my Bobby Brown is a man. And, and Bobby Brown was a new addition. And so I realized they were turning me down on stuff they didn't understand. And you have to, you have to realize that in those times, when I'm saying Bobby Brown and when I'm saying Q-tip and when I'm saying, um, you know, you know how people sit in the band at the Tonight Show or David Sanborn sits in with, with Paul Schaefer. I want to have some hip hop guys with my posse and I wanted to do stuff different and I had to fight for a lot of that. All right, we got more with us in your hall. When we come back, don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. EJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Now, uh, Charlemagne kicked it with Arsenio Hall about how long? About a week ago, two weeks ago? Longer, longer than, than that? that? <laughs> yeah, longer than that. Um, but it's dope. You know, I got to sit down with him and chop it up for an hour. He's one of my inspirations. I always say it's six degrees of Arsenio. There's nobody that you can meet in the industry from a certain era that Arsenio doesn't have a story about. But we'll talk to him. Man, it shows me how much value one black person in the right position can have. Because one thing that you always showed us, it was so much value in us. And that's one thing I love about the Arsenio Hall show. There was a time where there was a need to highlight hip hop and, and black stars. Do you think that black talent is adequately, adequately represented and highlighted now? Well, not to keep kissing your ass, but you know, when I listen to you or watch you, I hear about stuff I don't know about. And I think that's important. You know, you go deep into hip hop and, you know, you and Envy, you know, y'all know some folks. And I love going that deep. I love going deeper than Ryan and Kelly will go with hip hop, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, and and you do that. Um, I love Trevor Noah's position in the business because he's brilliant and he deals with an area of show business that Soul Train didn't deal with. He deals with an area of society that we've never seen a brother deal with. I would love to see more people so we have more variety because there's a huge space between Charlemagne and Trevor. Trevor, by the way, who's in Coming to America. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, won't even, I won't even tell what he does, but you can imagine, you know. But, uh, but the bottom line is there's something in the middle. And um, I know there's Jesus and Morrow these are Meryl, yeah, my guy. Yeah, and and so, but but the bottom line is, like the NBA, I don't mind having five people in late night, you know, and, and a white boy coming off the bench. We can flip it up a little bit, you know. <laughs> you know, I'm so happy this movie's coming out, coming to America too, on March 5th, because really for you in a lot of ways, because I've told you this before. What is Arsenio Hall waiting on to tell his story? Well, see now, now, 
You being friends with Wendy makes this real relevant. We all, the world just saw her documentary. Mm -hmm. There's no Calvin, is the name Calvin? Calvin, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's nobody like that in my life. <laughs> so you need a villain? You gotta have a villain? <laughs> yeah, you know, my, my, none of my women have ever had down the street in a house that I bought, you know? <laughs> but that stuff makes good television. That makes good storytelling. I, I'll be honest with you, man. I think a documentary on me might be boring. I mean, stop. There's, but there's wow. no, I don't, there's no drug problem, you know, un, unless, hey, by the way, weed has gotten me through 2020 and part of 2021. You know, I'm you a edible. Do you smoke? Yeah, I'm a smoker. I'm, okay. I, I'm, a, I'm a big weed smoker. But I think, but you need a cocaine problem, or you know, <laughs> you need to have a scene where, you, where you put heroin in your ass at some point uh, for, for a good document. My documentary would be. A guy who came from Cleveland and did very well and then wrote a letter to Paramount and said, I want to move on. I think I want a family and I want to do more acting. You know, that's not a good documentary. You had so many legendary people and moments on the Arsenio Hall show. And you kind of answered this already. Do you even factor those moments into your own personal measurement of value? I, I, I guess I do. But as many things that I did right you know, there are a lot of people who hate me because they feel only Barbara Walters should interview Farrakhan and I shouldn't have done it. So I got things from that era and moments in that era that people hate me for, too. And you got to take the good with the bad. But that's who I was. I was Mr. Curious. And I remember meeting him and he told me about the Million Man March. And he also said to me that I'd never heard this. And I thought it was important to the black community. He looked at me and he said, because I asked him about Malcolm. And I said, I think the question that black people want to know is your relationship with Malcolm in the end. And he said, I think I may have contributed to an atmosphere that killed Malcolm. And when he said that, I'm like, I got to do this interview. And I already resigned from the show. I'd sent a letter to Kerry McCluggage and they let me do it. But a lot of people didn't like it. And, and, um, um, and, and I get that. I'm sure there are people who didn't like my interview with other people too, but but you know. So you you resigned from the Arsenio Hall show. Like the rumor has always been, Arsenio Hall got canceled because he interviewed the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Yeah, I had sent a letter of resignation to the guy who was running Paramount prior to that. Paramount didn't have to let me do that, but they thought it was good TV to ask him these questions. And by the way, I brought in a man back then named Irv Rubin who was uh, head of the JDL, because I wanted to ask those questions too, not just the things that black people were concerned about. So I, you know, I tried to do it in that way, but yes, I, I had sent a letter in and resigned and, uh, and because they had to figure out what they were gonna do with the show, they let me continue to do more shows while they figured it out. Cause I remember the conversation, they came to me, they said, what would you do? We have Bill Bellamy under contract. Do you think he'd be good? And that was their conversation. Uh, they also brought up John Stewart, who they eventually gave the show to. John Stewart had a couple bites at the apple. He did a show back then after me because they went with him instead of Bellamy. And then, of course, got, you know, there's no timing greater in show business than God's timing. That's right. It ain't about when you want it. It's about when he want to give it to you because John Stewart changed the game, but not that night. 
later on, they put him in the right place in front of where, you know, Trevor's life is now. And he was groundbreaking and changed the business. But back then it wasn't his time. But he replaced me. Why why resign though? I wanted like when you're doing a talk show, it might be similar to what you're doing. Every night I'm watching somebody's movie, I'm reading someone's book. There was no link back then. You had to go to a theater or someplace and watch somebody's movie. You know, there was no laptop. Uh, there was no, like sometimes I can hit my laptop, the word speak, and it'll read somebody's book to me. And I just sit and listen. But back then you actually had to sit with Judith Light's autobiography and read it before the interview the next day. And there was a point where I wanted to act more. I did Harlem Nights um, in the nighttime. I, I would do my show all day and then shoot Harlem Nights at night. And Charlamagne, I love to act, man. I love to act. I wanted more time to pursue that. People, like people would put me in movies as the talk show hosts, or they would use clips. And they still do that. Like, like recently there's a there's a, a, a Mr. Mr. Rogers movie. And they erased Mr. Rogers when I interviewed him back in the day, and they put Tom Hanks in. They can do stuff like that now. So my old interview is in the movie. So I guess you could call it typecasting. I wanted to act more. And something else that's really important for a man when it hits you, I felt that every day doing this, I wanted a kid, man. I wanted to be a dad. I remember, I remember the moment too, uh, Magic had started coaching and he was coaching the Lakers. And Cookie Johnson let me babysit EJ and take him to a game between the Lakers and the Clippers. And EJ is watching the game with me. And during halftime, I took EJ in the back just to let him just give dad a hug. And when I leaned over so he could kiss Irvin, you know how a water balloon, you can't hold it and go down on this side and go down on that side and just be, you know how a water balloon does. That's how EJ started doing to get to his daddy and to kiss his daddy and hold his daddy. And he didn't want to let him coach the second half. Wow. And there was a moment that I don't know how to describe other than the way I'm doing it. I was that there's no love like the love of a father and his son, a father and his daughter. That moment I was like, I didn't want kids. As a matter of fact, to be, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm not gonna even say I didn't want kids. You know how when you don't make mistakes, and 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 you get around, and you haven't gotten somebody pregnant, you worry. And I went to a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, I ain't never got nobody pregnant. And I mean, I use condoms and everything, but you suppose it slips sometimes. And I never had one of those situations. And I went to a doctor, and he said, I remember the term. He said I had slow swimmers. And I didn't even ask him for more information because I was just too embarrassed. And I, could, I was like, okay, whatever. Because I think that means you're broke. You got slow swimmers. And uh, it's all about God, dog. The, not you, but the other one. And uh, and the bottom line is eventually my girl got pregnant and my son was born. And I spent the next 21 years, you know, I was that dad at every game, at every play. And I tried to to slide in and do work here and there but you can't do Hollywood part-time. Hey, Austinio, I just want to tell you, man, you loved, you valued, you appreciated, and I'm just happy that you exist on this planet, man. And I want everybody to go out there and, and check out Coming to America. Continued success, bruh. Say hello to the duo that sits in the studio with you every morning. I love you all. 
and God bless you. DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Hey, make sure you go check out uh, my conversation with Arsenio Hall on the Breakfast Club's YouTube page. It mm -hmm. should be should be up now. That's right. I, I what's on YouTube? Breakfast Club it. AM. No, that's not it. Breakfast Club. I'm not in the studio. It's hanging up in the studio. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what is it, Dramos? What is our YouTube? Yes. Breakfast Club AM. No, it is it. Yes. Oh, uh, Breakfast Club Power 105.1. Exactly. Uh. <laughs> Just Google. Just breakfast search club. Breakfast Club. I don't know why you're hey, yeah, it's not that hard. <laughs> Yo, wipe that cream out your beard and go to um press the room report intro. Wow. Okay. She's spilling the tea. This is the rumor report with Angela Yee on the Breakfast Club. Well, OVO Sound Radio is back. Now, Drake made that announcement on Twitter. He yet he posted yesterday going live tonight at 10.30 p.m. Eastern with the return of OVO Sound Radio and the launch of our 24-hour station, Sound 42, a new experience on Sirius XM. He also shared three new songs on the Scary Hours 2 EP. Now, here is what Drake had to say about Certified Lover Boy and Scary Hours 2. I'm back in, in uh, tip-top form, so... You know, that's a blessing. And CLB is currently being chefed in every way possible. And I'm just I'm just really excited about the music that we're making. I don't have an exact date, but just know it's 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 in a pot and it's coming soon. I wonder if it's easier or harder for Drake to make music now. You would think, you know, it'd be easier because he's playing with house money because he's Drake. But sometimes you set the bar so high that when you fall short of what we're used to, you know, people critique harder. That's what I've been doing. So it's, it's also good see, it's, it's good to see him return to form. It's huh? also inspirational. You know, a lot of times you get inspiration from different things. You trying to grow, you trying to get to that next level. But when you're on that level, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you rap about? I mean, it's good to see him return to form on the three pack he dropped. Like when he raps, he's one of the best, and he's snapping on that lemon pepper freestyle. When he said these days. Fame is disconnected from excellence. Half the time, I got to ask these niggas what their profession is. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. Usher the generation in. These are where my confessions live. Bars. Yeah, he's spitting. All right. Well, the songs he put out are What's Next, Once It Needs, and Lemon Pepper Freestyle. Why are you All right, talking about music that you hear in a, 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 a hotel lobby in L.A., though? Huh. Why you always gotta have something to say about Drake? <laughs> just let him let him live, man. Let he put live, out three man. songs, you, you liked it, and then you had to do that. And then you gotta go left. Let see, the man and, and, and when I and when I when I gave him props, y'all ain't say nothing. But as soon as I say something that y'all might perceive as negative, look at y'all. See, says more it wasn't about even necessary. Me. All right, now Too Short has explained why his song with Drake never came out. He was talking with E40 for Hip Hop DX, and here's what he had to say. I was just about to do a song with Drake. I feel like it might have happened, and then he got the 13 Billboard Awards. And nobody answered the phone anymore. <laughs> I was like, I just, you know, I don't call too many times. I just fell back like, damn, missed, I missed the window. Drake owned uh, that, though. Because Drake, a lot of Drake sound came from the Bay Area, man. So Drake owned that, man. He got busy, right? All right, now, Space Jam, a new legacy, according to the director, Malcolm Dealey. He says this new one will be even better than the 1996 original. He said it's a better hmm. movie than Space Jam. He told Entertainment Weekly, LeBron has that has got that going for him. He said, if you say theatrical movie, Space Jam is it. You know he just whacked that movie out, right? You know, he, he literally just made the movie whack. 
We got to stop doing that. When you compare something to the original, people go in thinking, okay, I'm waiting for this to be better than the first Space Jam. And when it's not, then they'll say things like, oh, the movie is whack. You know what I call that? I call that myth bleaking somebody. Salute to bleak. I love bleak. But when Jay-Z said myth bleak is the new improved new me, improved he set bleak up for failure because bleak is good, but he's not hove. I mean, nobody's hove. But what part two is a better though? There has to be a part two that was better than the part one that Bad we boys. talk about. Hmm? Bad boys. Bad boy was bad boy. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad boys are, are, are equally as good. Bad boys too. Bad boys. Fire. Yeah, equally, bad boys I would say equally as good. good. Equally, as I good. think Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three was really good. I liked it better than the first. See, I don't do horror movies. Yeah, you going too far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't pay people to scare me. Which sequel was better than the first? I got to think about that one. Terminator. All right, well, that is your rumor report. Hmm. What sequel keep was thinking. better than the first? I can't think anymore. <laughs> hmm. We got to go, guys. Rumor report. That's All right, it. Well, Thanks. Charlamagne, who are you giving that donkey to? Oh, man. We need a Tampa Bay Police Department to come to the front of the congregation. Tampa Police Department in Tampa. Y'all need to come to the front of the congregation. We would like to have a word with you, okay? Okay. All Florida. right. We'll, we'll get to that next. Don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Make sure you tell them to watch out for Florida, man. Florida, man. Florida. The craziest people in America come from the Bronx and all of Florida. Yes, you are a donkey. A Florida man attacked an ATM for a very strange reason. It gave him too much money. Florida man is arrested after deputies say he rigged the door to his home in an attempt to electrocute his pregnant wife. Police arrested an Orlando man for attacking a flamingo. The Breakfast Club, bitches. Donkey of the day. With Charlemagne the God. I don't know why y'all keep letting him get y'all like this. Because it's Florida, little Duval. Uh, donkey of the day for Friday, March 5th goes to the Tampa police department now what does your uncle Charlotte always say about the great state of florida the craziest people in america come from the bronx and all of florida i love the state of florida but we would be playing ourselves if we didn't recognize that the state of florida is operating on a different frequency than the rest of the world not too many things in florida make sense well at least not to the rest of us on the outside looking in and this is one of those times see the tampa police department fired Delvin White, keyword white, for violations of policy that prohibit discriminatory conduct. So Delvin White, keyword white, clearly did something to discriminate against someone. Well, what did Delvin White, keyword white, do? Let's go to WTSP CBS 10 for the report, please. Tampa's police union is fighting to reinstate a police officer fired for using the N-word on the job. The union says the punishment was too harsh. Police say the language violates community trust and was enough to fire eight-year vet Devlin White, who worked as a school resource officer at Middleton. Devin White, keyword white, was fired for being caught on body camera saying on a phone call to a young woman, the N-word, and they're fighting to get his job back. I know what you're saying. Well, Uncle Charlotte, that absolutely deserves donkey today. He deserves the biggest hee-haw. No, no police officer named Devin White, keyword white, should be, uh, you know, using the N-word, okay? And they shouldn't be fighting to get his job back. Yes. Well, let's play a game of guess what race it is. All right. Now, Angela Yee. This should be very obvious to all of us. Now, Angela Yee, Devin, last name white, keyword white, Okay, was fired by the Tampa Police Department because he was caught on body camera saying that his job is to ensure. Well, I'm not going to say what he said his job was to ensure, but he used the N-word. Guess what race it is? I'm going to say <coughs> Caucasian. 
<laughs> what gave it away? His last name? Now, DJ Envy, yes. Devin White, keyword white, Tampa, Florida, was fired by the Tampa Police Department because he was caught on body camera saying the N-word. Envy, guess what race it is? Mm, this is a tough one. But I got to go with white. Okay. Well, let's go back to WT's. SPCBS 10 for the report, please, and find out if you're right. The police union is fighting to reinstate a black police officer fired <gasps> for using the N-word on the job. Hold on. Play it again. WTSP CBS 10. I think Envy and Angela Yee were wrong. Play it again. Tampa's police union is fighting to reinstate a black police officer fired for using the N-word on the job. Y'all were wrong. Damn, that was too easy. Damn, damn. Delvin White is black, and he was fired for using the N-word. Now, I'm confused. Uh, can we hear how he used the N-word in context, please? My head go, bro. You going to jail now? <laughs> oh, he said, you going to jail now, nigga? Now, let's say, now let's discuss. Because play yes. it one more time. Play it one more time. My head go, bro. You going to jail now? You going to jail now, nigga? Listen, the Tampa... Police Benevolent Association said yesterday that they are standing with Devin White and fighting the department's firing. Let me read the statement from Tampa Police Benevolent Association spokesman Danny Alvarez. He said, we stand with the city of Tampa and the Tampa Police Department in their efforts to stamp out racism in every form and condemn any and all derogatory statements in or out of uniform. But the facts in the Delvin White matter do not reflect an act or any intent that warrants the punishment he received for his alleged transgression. Charlemagne the God, Leonard McKelvey, Uncle Charla absolutely agrees. Let me tell you something. We live in a country where a black person is three times more likely to be killed by police during a police encounter than a white person. We live in a country where black people are more likely to be arrested and more likely to receive a longer prison sentence than a white person convicted of the same crime. We are more likely to be profiled than white people. Police historically do whatever the hell they want with us in this country. And now all of a sudden you want to fire a black man for using the N-word in context? Let me tell you something. There is a thing called cultural competency. And when you're from a certain environment, you speak the language of that environment. Of course, a black police officer in Tampa is going to use the N-word. Devin White, keyword white, was raised in the East Tampa community. And that's the environment that he chose to protect every day. Don't nobody know how to talk the language of the community better than a person who's from there? By the way, that's what we need. That's what we want. We need policing that is for us and by us. Do you know Devin White also told investigators? Yeah, I used the N-word. And he used the N-word while making an arrest in November. And he used the N-word twice while arresting an uncooperative male for trespassing. Let me hear that little clip again of him on the body camera. My head go, bro. You going to jail now? You going to jail now, nigga? Yes, he probably put <laughs> handcuffs on a brother when he was being uncooperative because he knows him. Probably even knew the property he was trespassing on and was giving the dude a stern talking to and telling him, you going to jail now, nigga. Okay? I can guarantee you with no facts or evidence to back this up that a white person in the Tampa Police Department called a black person the N-word before or displayed some other form of racism because the whole law enforcement system is one of the most racist systems, you know, period. One, the, the two most racist systems in America are probably law enforcement and the medical system. I guarantee you some police officer used those words or was racist in worse ways and nothing happened to them, Okay. Tampa Bay Police Department, I don't know who you're trying to fool, but you didn't fire Devin White because he used the word nigga. You fired Devin White because in your eyes, he is a nigga. Okay? Tampa Bay Police Department, 
Give this man, Devin White, his job back, okay? All right? Give the man his job back, all right? Y'all know good and damn well that man was not using the N-word in, in, in whatever context y'all thought he was using it in, okay? Devin White was using it, you know, the way you, are, you use it when you have folks from the community policing the community, all right? You just going to have to understand there is a language barrier that y'all going to have to overcome. <laughs> and it's simple. We use the N-word, y'all don't. And we shouldn't use the N-word either, but that's a conversation we need to have in private at the next Secret Black People meeting. In the meantime, please let Remy Ma give the Tampa Police Department the biggest hee-haw. Hee-haw, hee-haw, you stupid motherfucker. Are you dumb? I just want you to know that you're over your nigga quota for the day. That's what you want you to know that. You just said it. So, <laughs> so you made me go over. I made you go over? You made me go over. I was fine. Good. I'm, allowed, I'm allowed 10 per every five minutes. <laughs> no, you're not. White man just said it's the N-word quota over. No, it's not. Well, guess what? I need a white man to tell me that I can't use the word nigga. And I, he got to say it. He can't say, he gotta it, say, he gotta say it to you. So you can't say that word. What word? Say it. What, what word, word can I say? I don't know. Exactly. Because if he say N-word, I'm going to say Nancy, noodles, <laughs> nutmeg, okay, naughty, by nature. <laughs> All right, man. Shout to that cop, man, too, man. He's doing his thing. Yeah. That's, what we, that's what we want. We want somebody from our community to police us. That's, that's right. going to talk to us. And be from our community, right? If that's he'd have right. been like, excuse me, sir, you know you're going to jail. Nah. No, you, you want somebody that, that we know that's from our community. That's what we've been saying, right? That's what we've been screaming right. for. We've been crying for, right? Give Devin White his job back. Absolutely. All right. Now, when we come back, Anderson Pack and Bruno Mars will be joining us. Never heard of them. No, not at all. They uh, started a group. What is it called? Silk City? Sonic Silk? What's it called? Silk Yee? Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> Silk Sonic. Silk Sonic. All right. We're going to kick it with them when we come back. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We got some special guests in the building this morning. We have Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack. What up, guys? What's going on? What's up, yes, Lars. How y'all feeling? Bless, feeling black good? and highly favored. How y'all feeling? Uh, great, man. Bless, bless, bless. You guys are doing an album together. Now, how did this come about? Were y'all together? I mean, I, I think y'all were together since y'all together now. Did y'all record it together or was this a pandemic studio session? Let's be careful about how we say together. Listen, <laughs> we're just some honest musicians that still play instruments, still listen to Marvin Gaye and Stevie Wonder and stuff. And uh, there's only a few people like that. So when you find it, you just, you just got to link up. What, what does the name Silk Sonic mean? Where'd that come from? Booty named us. Oh, tell you gotta tell us that story. That that's that's come on now. That's incredible. He heard the song, he heard the song, and so we need a name. You know Bootsy Collins named Babyface. I didn't know that. I hope Babyface don't mind if you don't mind if I tell it, but please. Babyface was in the studio and Bootsy Collins walks in, he's in the studio with a bunch of his friends. He looks at he looks at at the time he's Kenny Edmonds. Uh, Bootsy looks at him and says, what's up, babyface? Mm -hmm. And the whole studio starts laughing. <laughs> the next day they have a show and uh, the guy introduces him as Kenny Edmonds, and he got the golf clap. And as a joke, the very next night, he goes, ladies and gentlemen, baby face. And the girls start freaking out. And wow. I hope I didn't botch that story face, but that's that's the story. <laughs> well, how, so this what do you do, walk in the studio and say, hey, Silk Sonic? No, no, no. We played him the song. We sent him the record. And wow. when it says hosted by Bootsy Collins, what other involvement does he have in the album? Is going to be narrating this whole album. We try to put a show together, and we call it the set list of doom. 
Okay. Well, let me ask y'all a question. <laughs> when he said y'all are silk sonic, y'all didn't ask what that means? Y'all just <laughs> ran you, know, you can't really question the OGs, you know? Like, you only get a few, you know, moments with them. So you, you kind of just have to run with that. And uh, I liked it. I think it fit with the music. And, you know, it sounded cool when he said it. So it was like, that's <laughs> rock with it. Well, we it seems all- like a five heartbeats type of vibe or something like that. I got nothing but love for you, baby. Hey, we was arguing this morning. Which one of y'all is a better pure singer? Come on. We ain't got to argue. Damn. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> we ain't got to argue. We ain't got to argue about that. You Anderson. It's you saying it's you Anderson. It's, it's like, you know, I'm a drummer first. So I, I know how to support. <laughs> nah, Bruno. Bruno. Can nah. nobody sing higher than Bruno? Can nobody sing clearer? You, know, you guys are going to hear Anderson singing his ass off on this album. So you think Anderson's a better pure singer than you, Bruno? I didn't say that, Charlemagne. <laughs> Charlemagne, you can't. And I would never say that. So <laughs> we can edit that part out, you right? Really gotta... <laughs> now, now, do you guys watch verses? Are y'all uh, a fans of verses? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would y'all, would y'all ever do a verse? Well, it was either going to be a versus or make an album. So, and Anderson chose the right. You know move. <laughs> no, I love the verses. I don't know. Would you do a versus? Hell yeah. You would. Who would you battle? You. Damn. <laughs> that makes sense. You see, Raekwon and Ghostface are up next. And that's really a great way to celebrate. Oh, that's going to be great. I'm um, awesome. always happy. I think what Swizz and Timbaland did with that is awesome. I text Swizz congratulating them because I think that. That did a lot for the pandemic. Absolutely. Now, besides Anderson Pack, who who would you gonna who would you battle, Bruno? If there's anybody out there, I'll go toe to toe with anybody. <laughs> I like that. Toe to toe. I like that. Now, I don't want to battle nobody. I don't. I don't want no problems. I don't want no problems. <laughs> now I see Bruno Mars. You also got yourself an alter ego, right? You're designing clothes. Yeah, everyone's calling it an alter ego. It's kind of is weird. Who but, is a uh, fashion designer slash mystery man? Ah, uh, yeah. No. Um, <laughs> Rike? Yeah. <laughs> what do you call it? Lacoste approached me. I've been fortunate to have been asked to do collaborations before with other companies, mm-hmm. but it always came with, like, guidelines. Lacoste was the only company that was like, Bruno, you could do whatever you want. And so, you know, Bruno Mars, like, that's, like, tour merch, and that's, who, that's, that's me on stage. I got to be a, a designer. And that's where Ricky Regal came up. Because I want to wear the clothes. I don't want to wear clothes that says Bruno Mars on it. Now, now, Bruno, the other barbershop debate we was having was if you did do a versus and you battled The weekend. Oh. I said Bruno. Toe to toe, Charlemagne. You heard me the first time? Toe to toe. I, I said Bruno over The weekend. I said that. Oh, come on. What do you think, Weekend's Anderson? Great. <laughs> I mean, I think that's... No brainer, I'm about to say. Come on. Bruno. Don't do that, Charlemagne. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. You know, we know what you're doing. We know what you're doing. It'd be a beautiful thing to see. Said, I'll take anybody toe to toe. But then I backed out immediately. That was me. I got yeah, gassed up, but then I backed out immediately. Now, Bruno, question. Why are you scam that woman out of $100,000? Damn, man. <laughs> Why are you doing that, Bruno? You got that boy during the pandemic. You, th- making the album with Anderson wasn't enough. Listen, uh, I owe some money, man. I had to skip town to Pasadena. I, had a book, book. I, I put a lot on the, on the Spurs that night. And it didn't really come through for me. He was overextended. Did, did, no, you, listen. I, uh, do you know her name? Yeah, they, I don't think they put her name out there. But All right. Well, whoever you yeah. are, I'm so sorry. And stay off the internet. 
<laughs> That's all you got, um, Bruno? <laughs> stay off the internet. <laughs> it's treacherous. It's treacherous it out there. Cold game. But, Bruno, what do you think when you heard that story, though? I mean, look, I have family members that thought I was actually talking to them on Facebook. Mm. And, had, you know, like, this is my uncles and my aunties. Like, they really thought it was me talking to them. So I don't blame her. I just... I just say to everyone out there, be careful because that's a different world. It ain't the real world out there. Don't send money. Nobody, there's nobody sending money. Anderson Pack or Bruno Mars. Unless it's the Silk Sonic. Come on now. Come on. Have you ever had a situation, either one of you, where you thought you were talking to somebody online and you got catfished? Like maybe a collaboration you were trying to pitch and (laughs) it was not the person you thought it was? Well, it happens all the time. I call the same person, like with the same, you know, first name, and it's you realize thirty minutes in, uh, this ain't this ain't the Earl that I wanted. So I, I got <laughs> I got a chest rich. All right, I'm gonna holler at you later. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. But I always know who I'm talking to, especially now. You know, it's interesting, right? Because y'all sent a tweet out saying that y'all was, you know, doing an album, doing a song. Everybody's talking about it. Does marketing and promotion from record labels even matter when you get to a certain point in your career? Does it still matter? Yeah, because we hope that the Breakfast Club is going to champion for this song. That's why we want to sit down and talk to y'all and make sure that you guys champion for these out-of-work musicians (laughs) praying that y'all going to play this record. But this seems like an easy way to do it. I mean, you you stay here for a day, you do twenty interviews. You ain't never yeah. You ain't gotta go go to no. I don't know. It's different though. I'd, I'd I'd much rather be there with y'all and you know doing it like that. This Zoom thing. This is just like the third time I've ever done a. Is this Zoom? Can I say this that? is Skype? Is this Can Skype? Can I say Zoom? Yeah, this is like my third Zoom in history. Not too good with technology. Not a tech guy. This guy. So how do y'all keep in touch with your lady friends during quarantine? Lady friends? Yeah. Uh, he's married. I got a wife, Charlamagne. Oh. You got to really... Ch- <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah. Cool out. That's what he does. That's, jammed his, up. that's his whole thing. I didn't no, know. He's got some cute lady kids. Beautiful wife. Hey. Hey. Some of the pictures of his wife and kids when he was... Hold it. Oh, you understand me? Well, now it makes sense, Bruno, why you seem so level-headed. And so, like, just humble. You know what I mean? Because you got that stability. Appreciate that. All right, we got more with Silk Sonic when we come back. That's Anderson Pack and Bruno Mars. Now, what's the name of this joint, Charlemagne? I thought it was called Bruce. Keep the door. I think it's called Keep the Door Open. Oh, so why they told? Well, I guess they told us it was Bruce Leroy because they were trying to. They didn't want the name of the song to go up. Maybe. All right. Well, (laughs) let's get into it. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Leave the door open. Bruno Mars, Anderson Pack, they are here. Good morning. We are the Breakfast Club. Now let's get back to the interview, Charlemagne. Anderson, what's something, uh, you know, Bruno is stronger than you at and, and vice versa, Bruno? What's something Anderson is stronger Can than I you take at? this one? <laughs> Let me just take this one. <laughs> when I'm stronger than him at, the boy know how to bet, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, he got like a, you know, you know what's going to hit, what's going to not. He got like a sixth sense, you know? I'm more like, ooh, let me see. I don't know. It could go this way, filling it out. But he got like a spidey sense. Like, nah, we got to hit this. No, we got to do this progression. You know what I'm saying? This is going to get us the, this, there's money in that. There's some magic in that. This, that's his favorite thing. You know, this is the math on that. What about you, Bruno? What's something Anderson's stronger than you at? 
the exact opposite of what he said. I grew up with some old school producers that was really hard in the studio to work with because they understand how to get to a certain place that they want to go. Mm-hmm. And I grew up watching that and seeing that. And I've seen some horrible things, but I've seen them that turn into magic. Anderson is, give me the drumsticks, you know, turn on the mic. So he's got this freedom that that's how he finds his groove. Mm-hmm. And I'm a little, and I'm a little more like, all right, well, maybe if I play this chord and, and then I do this and then I do that. Yeah. I also like to like bounce around. Like we gonna do the song, you know, we work on it for four or five hours and then let's, let's jump to something else, you know, or let's, let's, let's touch on this. This dude is obsessed. He's going to be working on the same damn song for two years. <laughs> Just because the, there's magic in the hook. He knows that. And it's like an obsession, bro. And like, we can work on something all day and, and we come back and I'll be like, man, is it sick? You're like, nah, it ain't good. We went, we, we made a left turn here. We need to go right, right here. And, and yeah. we work all day on it again. It's crazy work ethic. And I told Andy, it's like, it's nothing to brag about. I wish I could just go and just have, you know, some awesome, but it just takes a, it takes, like I said, it takes a lot for me to feel like, all right, it's done. And this first single, it took a lot. Yeah. And we couldn't be prouder. Hey, I want to ask Bruno, you know, Bruno, you know, people love to accuse you of, of, of being a cultural thief, which I find interesting because you are a person of color. What, what would you say to those people? I would say you can't look at an interview. You can't find an interview where I am not uh, talking about the entertainers that have come before me. And the only reason why I'm here is because of James Brown is because of Prince Michael. That's the only reason why I'm here. I'm growing up as a kid watching Bobby Brown saying, okay, if that's what it takes to make it, then I got to learn how to do the running man. I got to learn how to do the moonwalk. That's it. And this music comes from love. If you can't hear that, then I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, when I saw you um, shout out Teddy Riley and the New Jack's swing movement at the Grammys, I was like, all right, that's homage. You know what I mean? When you won that award, won, won the award I was like, okay. he. It's the truth. Yeah. There's no, it's like, it's not a... It's not a secret. Like I said, we were wearing the inspiration on our sleeve. What is the point if we, if us as musicians can't learn from the guys that have come before us? Why did they do it? And I hope later on down the road, there's going to be a band that's taking what we did and flipping that and freaking that and make, putting their own spin on it. Because if they don't, we then, sue. <laughs> then what was the point of us doing this? Mm-hmm. If we play in basketball, if you can't learn from Michael Jordan, what was the point of him doing that? Why can't you take or why can't you learn all these tricks that this man did the greatest of all time and learn how he did uh, this three pointer or, or this uh, fade away? Which Kobe did. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And, and, and as he should, because that's the blueprint. Mm-hmm. This man showed you how to do it. Does that criticism piss you off? No, it comes with the gig. And I and there's this real merit to what people are saying about uh Black entertainers not getting their flowers, you know, and mm-hmm. I and I'm 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 champion with that. I I'm with that, but it's more so, I guess at the time when it kind of popped off on the internet, I was looking in the mirror like, what am I not seeing? Where is this? Where is this past that I that I do I have this past <laughs> that I don't know about? And where, where can I get this past? Because I could use some for me and my friends, <laughs> you know. At, at the time, it was that was it, but. It, I understand, and it's just—it's just—it's Twitter. Yeah. Have you adjusted to being a superstar, man? 
Nah. <laughs> it's not because I, I, don't, I just do music. That's all since I was a baby. And I don't look at myself as a superstar. It's like all I want to do is do music. And to me, success is doing what you love. And I love doing music. And I love being able to provide for my family doing what I love. When's the last time you've been to a strip club? Charlamagne, you know he came to Jersey Girls with me one night. Who? That was a long yeah, time yeah. ago. That definitely that to was. A long time ago. He came to the yeah. club. I was surprised he walked in there. I, I don't like, even think I was I don't think I was of age. <laughs> Well, oh. good job, Envy. I think I showed him a blockbuster card, and the guy was like, yeah, you good. Come on, Envy. <laughs> good Come job. on, Envy. You know what, though? It has been a pandemic, and I know you guys have been ripping and run- running for years now and not really had a chance to sit down. Was there an upside to actually having some time to maybe not have to be on tour and doing all of that? Did you learn anything new about yourselves? Slowing down was special because you get to hold on to this energy. And we're in a world that's going so fast, so fast that this, uh, sometimes you got to take a break. And I think quarantine forced everybody to unplug a little bit and reevaluate what's important in life. And um, I think it's why we're rolling out this album the way we're rolling it out. We don't want one week of trending on Twitter. And, you know, we we work too hard for that. We want to drop these songs one at a time and read the room. Yeah, I like this energy, man. I like the energy between y'all. I really do. It's like a cool buddy cop. Like, yeah, (laughs) it is. It's something there, man. Why'd y'all name the first single Bruce Leroy? (laughs) (laughs) But you know, we we still signed it, but we couldn't name the band Bruce Lee. Whooping your ass, whooping your ass. All right, now shout out to Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack for joining us today. Make sure you stream and pick up their joint, their new single, Leave the Door Open. Now, we got rumors on the way, ye? Yes, and let's talk about new music. There's a lot happening this Friday. All right, we'll get into that next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. You know I got your rumor report. Talk to me. Coming up next on The Breakfast Club. Now, before we even get into that, I just want to point out that now Facebook streams of music videos will officially count toward the Billboard charts. Wow. So that's something new. And it's a big deal. Artists deserve recognition in music charts for the wow. social capital they drive and the social discovery they fuel. That's what the VP of Business Development and Partnerships at Facebook had to say. So adding music video plays on Facebook to the Billboard charts is an important step in the right direction. I concur. Because wow. YouTube, YouTube already does that, right? Yep. All right, now let's discuss some new music. Uh, We already talked about Drake a whole lot and his three-pack that came out. But uh, let's play the one song we haven't been playing on the radio, and that is a Lemon Pepper Freestyle featuring Rick Ross. Dropped him off at school, big day for my little man. Recess hits, daddy probably made another M. School bell rings, and I'm out there to get him again. Yeah, teacher parent meetings, wives get googly eyed. Regardless of what their husbands do to provide. Asking if I know Beyonce and Nicki Minaj. Of course. Pull up to the front in a fleet of suburbans. Flooded French immersion with the Secret Service. This so obvious it defeats the purpose. I'm telling you, when Drake raps, he's one of the best. You know what I mean? That's what I want. I want a, I want an album, you know, full of Drake rapping. I mean, he can do that now. Like, you know, he's already Drake. He's home already. Like, let me let me hit him bars. Yeah, but it don't matter what you want. It matters what he wants to do. Well, I'm just telling you what I want. I'm just, I'm a, I'm a consumer I mean, I like, too. I like the versatility, though, because I, you know, as a consumer as well, I like when he sings, too. I, I like those songs also. It's a mood, so I like a variety of it. I like how, like, Lauren, we were just talking about Lauren Hill. Um, I had this con- conversation with Danielle Smith about how she was singing and rap and how dope that was. 
And I feel yeah. like he does the same thing. I could write a whole thesis on that one line. These days, fame is disconnected from excellence. Half the time, I got to ask these niggas what their profession is. Like, that is very true. Fame and excellence, excellence are not synonymous with each other at all. Now, as we just pointed out, Silk Sonic put out their first song, Leave the Door Open. That's Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack. Tyler, the creator, Tell Me How. It's a Coca-Cola commercial. Also, Clever, featuring Juice World and Post Malone, Life's a Mess. Sweetie put out the Best Friends remix with Doja Cat and Steph Don. I like that song. She's also giving away a Tesla, by the way. So there's a whole thing going on. I think you have like a month. A little month and a half left if you want to win a free Tesla mm -hmm. from Sweetie. Young Dolphin, Key Glock, Aspen, G Herbo. I uh, really like that and break yourself. Baby Keem, this is dope. No sense. Are you mad at me? Are you irritated? I let you duck me. Then you celebrate it. Are you showing up because you're with your friends, dog? Don't be showing out when you're with your friends, dog. Don't be showing out when you're with your man's, dog. Please don't let me catch him on my hands, dog. It's a thousand ways to misunderstand, dog. A thousand ways that we can make a man stop. And drop on the clues bonds with Baby King. Baby King so dope. You know who put me on Baby King? Actually, Lil Dicky. <laughs> Lil Dicky put me on Baby King some years ago. He was just like, yo, you should listen to Baby King. Baby King sounds like Kendrick if he was doing trap music. Baby King. Yeah, and they're related too, right? Isn't yeah, that his cousin or something? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and mm -hmm. I think I think he signed to Kendrick now. Kendrick and Dave Free, I think. Don't quote me on it. Baby keeping it low, you know. And Pop Smoke fashion featuring Polo G from the Boogie soundtrack. And Pop Smoke's No Cap featuring M24, the remix from the Boogie soundtrack. Also, new album, some Little Dirk from OTF and uh, K Cam's crew, which is Rare Sound Squad. They did like a deluxe album, a deluxe okay. edition of their album. Tory Lane's Playboy. A whole lot of new music. I can't even get to all of it, but I just wanted to give you guys uh, just some previews of what's happening. A lot of I wanna, music I, 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 I want to salute the Tink too, man. Tink put out a record called Bottom Oh, bitch. man. That yes. sounds so dope. Yes, Tink, Bottom Bitch. I love Tink's music. Yeah, yeah. I love like how she's... Early, 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 mm -hmm. early. Oh, yeah, Her Tink. music sounds way different now, though. Mm -hmm. Not not really. She's just gotten better. Like Tink been one of my favorite artists since, since Timbaland introduced me to her, and she never stops working, and she's just only gotten better. Her sound has just evolved, but it's just a matter of time for Tink to pop off. I saw JT... Um, from the City Girls shouting her out saying she can't wait to collaborate with her, with, with her on the next project. And Cardi was bigging her up last week. So it's only a matter yeah, of time. Yeah, I think this is Tink's year, I believe. I hope so. Is she still oh, signed with sure. No, she's no. been, she she been part of Wizard to me. All right, now, Envy, this story's for you. We had to make sure we get to this. Mm -hmm. So Chris Harrison from The Bachelor. He wants to go back to hosting the Bachelor franchise, and he had to backtrack on some remarks that he made. He had to take a hiatus. He made a mistake talking to Rachel Lindsay about some photos that surface of another Bachelor contestant, Rachel, at, at a 2018 Antebellum South party. Here's what the original audio was. We all need to have a little grace, a little understanding, a little compassion. It's not a good look. Well, it's not a good, well, Rachel, is it a good look in 2018 or is it not a good look in 2021? Ooh, how'd you feel when you heard that, Envy? I mean, it was foul. I mean, this is the thing with, with, with people like that. When he, <laughs> when he first made that statement, he doubled down and he tripled down on what he said. Mm -hmm. Then when he got the backlash, then all of a sudden, oh my gosh, I was wrong. That was foul. Like, it is what it is. That's what you believe. That's what you honestly believe. Stick with what you well, believe. Well, he was on, he was on Good Morning America, and here he is taking uh, accountability. I am saddened and shocked at how insensitive I was in that interview with Rachel Lindsay. And I didn't speak from my heart. And that is to say, I stand against all forms of racism. And I am deeply sorry. I am not a victim here. I made a mistake and I own that.
Yeah, he takes accountability because he got all the backlash and almost lost his job. That's the reason why he t- he's taking the back, the, you know, the accountability. But he doubled and tripled down when he did that interview. <laughs> well, Rachel Lindsay is saying she does accept his apology because it's what she needs to do to move forward with her life. She said she has not spoken to Chris directly since his Good Morning America interview, but she did watch it. And she did tell us they spoke about three weeks ago when it first happened. And he apologized directly then, too. So that's what she told TMZ. And I feel bad for Rachel, man, because they, they've been attacking her. They've been, you know, mm-hmm, they have threatening her. They've been sending her death threats and all that. And all she did was did a, she, all she did was do a, do a great interview. So shout out to Rachel. I don't know anything about what y'all talking about, but I think it's hilarious when people don't accept other people's apologies. I think it's incredible because <laughs> there is nothing funnier than watching the person who apologized. Do you accept my apology? And the person says, no. <laughs> what, do you, what do you do? But, but when you apologize, you got it, it got to be from the heart. Like, you really got to understand it. You can't just apologize hey, because... You're getting backlash and poor. Now, Rachel. isn't Rachel Lindsay um, Van, Van Lathan's co-host? Yes, yep. on his podcast. Yes, uh, higher, mm-hmm. higher, higher learning podcast. Because mm-hmm. yep. I saw him talking about them attacking her. And shout to Van. Van stood up for her, man. I appreciate that. He he really held it down. That's man, cool. you care about the Bachelor? You don't care about no damn Rachel. No, nah, I do. I mean, I love my people, and I want my people to win. And I love the fact you that, did you know, try to get Chris Harrison's job too. Oh, you did. You did. You. I was joking. You did. No, you was dead serious. You was dead serious. I know you sent some emails to the network and everything. Well, salute to Rachel. I don't know what's going on. I have no idea, but I stand with you. I hate it. I stand with you, All right, Rachel. well, that is your rumor report. No, well, you I, must have really sent some emails. I was kidding, but your reaction lets me know you did. Oh, Honestly, yeah, hold on. Yeah, emails. yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't know this nigga? You think he didn't really send emails? <laughs> he definitely bachelor? did. Because he wasn't sure if I knew or not. He Rashawn said, Casey? <laughs> you told. You think Rashawn Casey didn't send emails for real, for real? When Rashawn <laughs> said he wants something, he going to try to get something. <laughs> Okay, trust, trust me, I know. He well, probably sent a demo and everything. Well, I just want you to know that I'm going <laughs> he to He was on the breakfast club like, uh, this rose. <laughs> I'm going to Human Resources right now. Uh, if you're listening, Human Resources, Leonard McKelvey, just call Menard. me the N-word, and I am hurt by are it. You pre- are you pronouncing his name wrong just like people pronounce Kamala's name wrong on purpose? You're going to compare this to Try to, to discredit him? First of all, Envy, I protected you Did you just you use yesterday. the N-word? Oh, I'm sorry. But I anyway. I protected you yesterday. When that man came up here, yesterday we had a security <laughs> breach. A man came up here and said he would not leave until he got a kiss from DJ Envy. Are you protect- okay. you, you want to give you a me. rose. I protected you. How'd you protect me? I called down there and I told him, you let him know that Envy has a cold sore. <laughs> so you don't want a kiss from Envy right now. I hate y'all, man. I hate y'all. I hate y'all. I hate y'all. All right. Well, it's time to get I to the I want to see this choices. email you sent. Revolt. We'll see you guys tomorrow. On Monday, I should say. Everybody else. He probably attached a picture with a rose in his mouth. <laughs> no, he did a video for sure. The People's Choice mixes it's up DJ next. Envy. I'm your next host of The Bachelor. Now, tonight. Um, hey, be- what's good? Not only do I flip roses. <laughs> Not only do I flip houses, I flip roses. I hate y'all. Now, tonight, uh, I'm in Atlanta this whole weekend. Tonight, I'm going to be at Slush. So come join me. Uh, this weekend, BQE, of course. I'm also going to be at Sweet. Shout to Daryl. Shout to Tori. Shout to everybody in Atlanta, man. Shout to Rugs. I had a good time at uh, Copper Cove last night. I'm going to be at uh, Monticello and Rose Ball. So a lot going on. Just follow me on Instagram and uh, party with me safely. So we'll, we'll be having our mask on. <coughs> you all right? <laughs> <laughs>
I'm going to human resources. You call me an N-word and she's bullying me. I'm definitely going to human resources today, man. Mix is up next. All I heard was her cough. I didn't hear nothing else. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. All right, well, it's Women's History Month, so who are we repping today, Yee? Well, yes, so this weekend, Nikki Walton, she's a licensed psychotherapist. She's a TV personality. She has CurlyNikki.com. She's a best-selling author, uh, Better Than Good Hair, and she has a Be Her Summit that she put together that is happening this weekend that is to empower and celebrate women. So listen to this. Who run the world? It's Women's History Month, and we're celebrating the most influential women in history. Check out this phenomenal woman. So as you know, this is Women's History Month, and I'm highlighting powerful women all month. And one person I wanted to bring to the front is is Nikki Walton, a.k.a. Curly Nikki. Now, she does have a summit happening this weekend. We'll talk about that. But first, I want Nikki to just talk about who she is, a best-selling author, licensed psychotherapist, all of that. Yes, yes. So I started CurlyNikki.com back in 2008. I managed to get myself on the Tyra Banks show, and this, this website took off tremendously in a very short time. I was sharing my story, my journey to self-love from self-hate. I didn't like my hair. I didn't like my skin. And I just, I wanted to learn to love myself for who I really was. And as I continued that journey and continued sharing, it became a phenomenon. And I wrote a best-selling book with Harper Collins in 2013. I began working with um, Steve Harvey, with Dr. Oz. I continue to work with Dr. Oz to this day, sharing about outer beauty. But during that whole time, during that rise, during my peak of success with CurlyNikki.com, I wasn't happy. I had everything that they told me I was supposed to have to be happy, but I wasn't. Family, house, nice car, the career, the success, bestsellers list, but I didn't feel fulfilled and every day kind of felt the same. I felt stuck. I felt stagnant. And I actually, I called Tracy Ellis Ross sobbing, weeping one day. Cause I'm like, there must be more, there has to be more to life than just this. And she's like, you can't just wade like in the kiddie pool. You have to go deeper in your journey, your true journey, your inner journey. Yes. You love yourself more, your physical self more, but you have to find out what is also there. So it was like mid 2013 when I went deeper and I started reading, um, Eckhart Tolle, Power of Now, and Michael Singer, and then about 600 more books, 600 more authors that traveled the world. Yeah, traveled the world, all over the world, from Brazil to Africa to Spain, trying to find happiness, true peace inside. And I finally did. And I could see that no matter what temple I was in, what plane I was on, what street I was walking down, that peace was already always here. And so I started sharing about that on Instagram and on CurlyNikki.com, this hair blog that never really was just about hair. It was always an inner journey to freedom. But I began sharing reluctantly this piece because I wanted to help the women that look like me find the same freedom that I was finding. And I knew I was free for real when I was with my grandmother, who was my best friend in the whole wide world, and she was taking her last breath. And that was like the moment that I had dreaded my whole life. And so I'm there in that moment. And the peace was there too. Even though there was yeah. grief, um, I could feel that peace in the background. And so I began sharing and under the hashtag, be her now. And it became a very powerful hashtag. Many women got it tattooed on them. Thousands of DMs where these very successful entrepreneurial women, CEOs of companies are messaging me like, I'm not happy. How can I find this peace inside? And yeah, that, that is my journey. And it's the journey that I know we all have our different paths, but we're going to the same destination, which is recognizing that we have everything we need in us already and that this peace is always already here. So first, let's start with 
hair, right, as a representation, yeah. because I think so many women, especially black women, we have issues with our hair. I know growing up, I used to hate that my hair was curly, it was frizzy all the time, I didn't know what to do with it. And so I do want to talk about how hair is a representation of not just something superficial, like people might think, because people have a lot of things to say about our hair. It, it's, of course, you know, it's, yeah, just culturally, how we're viewed, how you have to even have the crown act right? Because women are looked a different way in the workspace if you have a certain type of hairdo. Uh, so let's talk about that a little bit and just how you got to that journey where you were able to embrace your hair because your hair is amazing and beautiful. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I did not. And I actually never had a relaxer growing up. It was always press and curl, but it was always late. It was always press and curl until I got to college, <laughs> but it was an all white school. There were no black stylists up there and I was left on my own, but I didn't like the fact that I was always concerned about my hair. So... Knowing that, I knew I had to take control of learning about it because we weren't taught how to care for our hair. But to be able to feel just as confident and comfortable and beautiful with your own hair, no matter if it's pulled back or out and curly or you have it straightened, that's a powerful place to be. Now, let's discuss you and how you felt like you were unhappy. And I feel you on that, right? You had a best-selling book, Better Than Good Hair. Girl, you got everything. You got this going on and you feel like you should be happy. And then you feel a little ungrateful that you're Absolutely. not. And you're like, look, there's people who aren't doing what they want to do. There's people who are out there struggling. How dare I be ungrateful? So talk about how you came to that realization and what you did to kind of overcome that. Yeah. You know, I love that you touched on like that ungratefulness because for me, I would hear like, okay, practice gratitude, practice gratitude. I had a journal and I never felt grateful, like genuine gratitude. It always felt forced. And I knew that that was a major problem. And as I went deeper and would sit, I would meditate girl for like, two, three hours a day. And I was blessed enough to have a lifestyle to be able to read all the time and meditate all the time. And I started seeing that true gratitude is not a human quality. It's a soul quality. It's a God quality. So the more I got quiet and tapped into that more quiet place within, that natural gratitude, that natural compassion, like true love, God love just started coming from that place. And so all of a sudden, it wasn't like I was forcing myself to be grateful for the beautiful opportunities I had been given, it was, I'm grateful in this moment for good Wi-Fi to be able to speak with you. I'm grateful <laughs> for, you know, this microphone, you know, that's delivering my voice and, you know, this chair that's supporting me. So like coming into the present moment is what helped me. I just had to recognize it and practice it in every moment. And then it becomes your lifestyle. And it's just as natural now for me to feel grateful as it was for me to feel ungrateful 10 years ago. Yeah. So right now, there are so many people going through so many different things. And it has been hard for people to take care of themselves. We have a lot of stress in our minds. So let's talk about why this summit will be beneficial and what's happening at this Be Her Summit. And so the Be Her Summit is shifting, helping women shift into this and staying here, staying her, the best version, the whole version of yourself. And the summit is going to take five entry points, recovering creativity, spirituality, entrepreneurship, beauty and wellness, meeting people wherever they are, wherever their passions lie. But the thread that's tying it all together is that you are recognizing your wholeness and that you have everything you need within you already. You're just opening out a way for it to get out here in the world. And I would love, I would absolutely love for every woman that comes to the summit to recognize that she is already free 
And it's just our thoughts that keep us feeling trapped, that keep us feeling small. And so stepping out of that box, that's what we're doing on Saturday, March 6th, all day. We're practicing. It's a mini retreat where we're practicing all day being our best selves in private together at home so that we can be and show up as our whole selves in public on Monday. And where can people sign up so they can get more information so they can attend? And I see a lot of my friends are on the panel. Yes. My girl, Yolanda Williams from Cream Blends. I see she's on there. Jasmine Solano. Yes. So, yeah. And those are some amazing women. BeHerSummit.com. It's virtual and it's going on all day on Saturday from 10 a.m. Eastern until the night. Um, but it'll be beautiful. And I'm so appreciative to you for helping me get the word out. Thank you so much, Nikki. I can't wait for us to continue doing some work with you. We appreciate you. Be Her Summit all day Saturday. Make sure y'all sign up for that. It's The Breakfast Club. And that was another phenomenal woman in history. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Now, today is the last day to vote for the winner of our How Do I Get On contest. That's this ultimate search for the next big artist in hip-hop or R&B. Now, Facebook groups helps you find and grow your passions and wants you to grow your pocket, too. So... Vote for your favorite artist right now, and you have a chance to win a $500 gift card. Yeah, it was really dope. We had a chance to meet some of the people who are competing to win the How Do I Get On contest. It's going to be a hard decision for you guys, so make sure you go on there and vote. Plus, you could get that $500 gift card. So check out iHeartRadio.com slash How Can I Get On and vote because you decide who gets on. All right. Now it's time to get up out of here. Again, shout to everybody in Atlanta. I'm out here all weekend long, so hopefully I get to see you guys um, next week, I'll be back in Atlanta for my real estate seminar. So I know I think we have less than 100 tickets left. It pretty it, it sucks because usually when we come to Atlanta, we have two, three, four thousand people. But because of COVID, they're only uh, they're limited to 30 percent. So for more information, just click the link in my bio. Now, Charlamagne, you got a positive note? Uh, what you do makes a difference. And you have to decide what kind of difference you want to make. Breakfast club, bitches. Y'all finished or y'all done?